All right, let's um, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, what a what a privilege it is to be able to read your word, to study it, to uh, come to an understanding of your mind. And uh, God, I just pray that you would give us understanding, that you would enable us to um, interpret it correctly, that you would uh, cause us to, to think seriously about how we are approaching the text and trying to interpret it, um, that we would realize how weighty an issue it is that we interpret your word correctly. Um, and God, just that, um, that you would uh, be with us, that you would cause us to um, just desire to read your word, to get it inside of us, and Lord, that it would change us, that it would um, conform us to the image of Christ, uh, God, that it would instruct us in what your commands are, and um, that it would <clears throat> prick our conscience as we consider our our failings, and God, that it would point us to Jesus Christ and the perfect sacrifice that he has provided. Uh, God, it's it's by your spirit that you do all of these works inside of our heart. And uh, God, we are dependent on you. Uh, so we pray that you would uh, bless the study of your word and that you would be honored. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're continuing our study on how to study the Bible. Two weeks ago, um, we asked the question, like, why is it important? And we began um, looking at that topic and um, just going over a number of reasons that it is very important for us to study the Bible, um, to not just read it and have some familiarity with it, but why it's important uh, to actually dig in and study it. Um, and we also looked at some objections that are sometimes raised to the idea of uh, studying the Bible and attempted to address those things. Uh, last week, as we continued our study, we discussed specifically the role of the Holy Spirit in interpretation um, and kind of looked at it uh, from the perspective of of, uh, you know, making sure we understand exactly what the role is because it can be completely ignored to our detriment or it can be um, put in a position that basically makes it where there's something wrong with the Bible and the Holy Spirit has to decode it for us. Um, and we want to to strike that balance where we, uh, where we see that the Scripture is in itself um, understandable but that it is uh, a problem within us that causes us to uh, misinterpret the scriptures and requires that the Holy Spirit come in and um, restrains our sin, basically, uh, so that we are able to, to understand and accept the things that scripture teaches. So that's where we've been thus far. So this morning, um, we're going to talk a little bit more um, kind of in a, in a transitional way between the general overview stuff um, into the specifics. Um, still not like deep into the specifics. We're going we're gonna to be getting into the nitty gritty in the coming weeks, but 
Um, but we do want to specifically deal with the issue of interpretation. Um, so we're, we're going to be basically looking at uh, finding the meaning of a text. That's what we're talking about this morning. So uh, first we have a, a vocabulary word. Um, I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the word already, um, but it is not a commonly used word um, outside of Bible study. Um, but it's the word hermeneutics. Um, can anybody tell me what the word hermeneutics means? Like I should know. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's one of those words that it's, it's not used very frequently outside of just specifically Bible study. Um, and it's usually used when you're talking about how to study the Bible. You don't necessarily even use it when you're studying the Bible. Um, but it is simply a word that, talk, that means the, the principles of an interpretation. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, people, it's, it's sort of like, you know, a, um, a branch of knowledge. Uh, you know, you might, if you're going to school, you might take a class on hermeneutics. Um, that's basically what this entire class is, is a book on, or is a, is a class on hermeneutics. Um, so it's simply, when we talk about the principles of interpretation, we're talking about hermeneutics. Now, you don't have to use that word, but if you study this topic at all, you're going to see people using that word. Um, so it's good to know what it means. Um, now, the principles of interpretation are, for the most part, uh, common sense. Um, I think we're going to see that as we walk through and look at various principles of interpretation. I think most of the time you're going to look at it and you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, that just makes sense. You might not have thought about it specifically before, um, but uh, it should still be evident that uh, most of them are like, oh, well, yeah, well, that, that just kind of makes sense. So I want to ask a question. Um, now I have two people here that will answer questions, so that will put the put the pressure on a little more. Um, maybe even three people now who would be willing to answer questions. Um, but so the question is, and this is, this is almost a trick question, so, so feel free to think about it. The question is, um, should we interpret the Bible just like we interpret any other writing, or should we interpret it very differently than how we interpret other writings? Is the question clear? I'm sorry? Repeat the question? Yeah, okay. So the, the question is, should we interpret the Bible just like we interpret any other writing, or should we interpret it very differently than how we interpret other writings? Well, the interpretation of the Bible needs to be accompanied. Well, all of our interpreting should be gone, go through the filter of prayer and things, but the interpretation of the Bible it is necessary that while you're trying to understand it, you are praying and seeking uh, mm -hmm. wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, not saying that that is the, as we said in last week's class, that is not the only method we're not, we're not depending right. on a divine revelation to us. Right. Uh, it is divine revelation, but we're not waiting for a personal divine revelation. Right. Right. Um, but it should be approached with much awe and prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
So are you basically siding on the side that we should read it differently than other other things? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm... It is, it is it's kind of a trick question. Any other thoughts before I give my answer? I mean, it also depends on what part of the scripture, because there's the history part of it. Mm -hmm. There's the poetry, there's the prophetic, and then there's the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there are definitely different uh, genres or literary forms, um, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, but when you read other things, don't you have those same genres, those same literary forms? Yeah. I think really the answer is, do you do it this way or this way? The answer is yes. It's kind um, of Yeah, uh -huh. yeah I, 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 I can sense the hesitation there, so... Um, but ultimately, the answer is yes. Um, uh, they're, they're, both of them have elements of truth. You want to be careful that you don't just go hardcore one way or the other. But both of them have elements of truth. So we're going we're to spend a little bit of time looking at it from both sides, from both perspectives. Um, so we're going to start with the, the, the answer. We should interpret the Bible just like we interpret every other writing. So bear with me. We will get to the, you know, what is different. But... Um, it is important that we understand this. Uh, we really should interpret the Bible just like we interpret any other writing. Uh, the Bible is God communicating to us. Um, I think we all understand that. Um, he uses normal human language, and he expects us to understand what he's saying. So in that sense, it's no different from a textbook, a novel, a poem, a text message. Um, as long as the author of whatever it is, is trying to communicate with whoever reads it, then he or she will use ordinary human language and expect uh, the reader to be able to understand it. If you send somebody a text message, you're, you're not sending it in code, you're, and you're expecting the person to actually understand what you're, what you're sending them. I mean, otherwise, it's, unless you're just messing with them or something like that. I mean, that, that's the way that people communicate in whatever they're writing. I mean, it works the same in spoken language as well, but um, that's, the, that's the way people attempt to communicate. And the Bible is God communicating with us. Um, so it really does work the same way. Um, and many of the errors that people make in interpreting the Bible are at their foundational level a rejection of this idea. Um, for example... Uh, one of the principles that we will be talking about is the importance of context. I'm sure anybody who's done any study in like how to understand the Bible, you know context is a very important thing. Um, but it's very common for people to take a single verse of the Bible and interpret it as if it was intended to be interpreted by itself without any consideration to what comes before or after it in the text. I'm sure uh, you guys have experienced this before. Um, I know I've certainly experienced it where people will just, they'll just cite a verse and I'm like, I'm not sure it means what you think it means. And you talk to them and you find out they have no idea what comes before, what comes after. Um, and most of us know, um, mo let's see, mo most of the time we know better than to do this when interpreting other forms of communication, right? Um, let's say I receive an email from work uh, that says, remember, next Monday is Labor Day. The work week begins on Tuesday. Now, what would happen 
if I took the second sentence um, in isolation and interpreted it to mean that every week the work week begins on Tuesday. Probably going to get in trouble, right? What's that? You're not going to have your job to work. No. I mean, you know, and like, you know, and when the boss calls me in and says, hey, why aren't you coming to work on Mondays? Do you think I could, you know, point to that one sentence in the email and, and convince my boss that I was just following instructions? No. As I, we know better, right? I mean, this is, this is common sense. Um, people understand that context matters. Um, it's just, I mean, that's just the way communication works. Um, whenever a public figure makes headlines uh, because they say something shocking, um, he or she will often respond that they were taken out of context, right? I mean, that's just, we see that all the time, right? Um, and whether they were or not really doesn't matter for our discussion. Um, the point is, there is a general recognition that in order to interpret something correctly, um, you have to consider the context. And that principle doesn't suddenly change when we interpret the Bible. But, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of times people treat Bible study as if, you know, that's the case, as if context doesn't matter. Um, it's, I mean, it, it is really amazing. It's, I, I mean, there's really just one example. Um, there are many other ways in which people will uh, run into errors of interpretation because, uh, for some reason or another, they think that the standard rules of interpretation don't apply to the Bible. Um, but they do. Uh, and we should interpret the Bible just like we interpret any other writing. Um, it's, uh, I mean... It's just when you when you think of like so many of the mistakes that people make, that's that's at, you know they may not think of it in terms of like I'm rejecting this idea that you interpret everything the same, um, but ultimately it, it comes down to that is people often think oh it's like oh yeah yeah when you when you read the Bible it's okay to do this, and then you if you just ask and you should I mean this is actually a good test. Um, just even if it's a principle we don't even talk about. If, you're, if you find yourself doing something when you're interpreting the Bible and you ask yourself, would I do this if I was reading the newspaper? Um, would I do this if I was reading a school textbook? Would I do this if I was, you know, reading an email from work? Whatever it is. Um, you just ask yourself the question, would I do this in this non-divine source of information? Um, and if the answer is no, then you really have to question, it's like, well, is it really legitimate to do it with the Bible? Um, so I think that, like, a lot of times we could really improve our biblical interpretation if we just approach it from that perspective and realize that it's, it's just interpreting a text um, and we don't want to jump off and do something weird. So, any, any thoughts or questions about that? Um, well, for me, the big, and this is me just trying to, mm -hmm. this isn't me arguing a specific side. Uh, like, the big question on that specific point I would have is um, how are we to approach 
interpreting uh, Levitical law mm -hmm. with the freedom that we have been given from Christ in the New Testament and mm -hmm. released from the Levitical law. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's one of those uh, Levitical law is there many of them are good principles that right. we should keep in mind mm -hmm. we are not bound to them and held to them. And so mm -hmm. how are we to interpret those knowing that we've been released from Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a specific issue that that in a sense we're going to be getting into um, later, but just like as it specifically relates to what we're talking about here, um, I hopefully you can you can see that um, if you are looking at something outside the Bible, you could have the same type of situation. True. You can have a uh, a particular text that has different sections in it that. For example, may apply at different times. Okay. Um, I mean, just like maybe as a simple example, you might have an instruction manual um, that is telling you how to do something, and it's a process that takes several steps. And it might, in one section, say, you know, it's like, okay, you're in this process of trying to accomplish this task, and while you're, in, you know, while you're doing this, you need to be sure that you're doing these things. Okay, and then it's like once you get to another section of your process, it's like okay, that doesn't that doesn't apply anymore. You shouldn't do those things now, um, and so it's understanding in that case the flow of the instructions and understanding that certain um, things that the instructions are telling you to do only apply during a certain process. That, um, that makes sense. That and so um, the the same thing is is true when we look at some of the Levitical laws. Um, just because of the transition that we have between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the, the New Covenant where Christ comes and um, fulfills uh, many of those things, um, that there's, a, there's a transition there to where okay, there are things that they were at that time commanded to do um, that their principal function was to, to shadow, to show forth, to prophesy um, the coming of Christ and his work. They were commanded to do these sacrifices. Um, and they were a picture of the sacrifice that Christ would come and do himself. And when Christ came, he actually was sacrificed himself, the perfect sacrifices. We've been studying the book of Hebrews. This is very clear. I mean, this is this is very related to what we're talking about in Hebrews. Um, and, but so since he has fulfilled those things, uh, when we look back at those sacrifices, we, we understand the Bible is actually really clear on this. We should not be performing those sacrifices anymore because to do that is to go back to the shadow. It's to go back to that picture rather than to embrace the reality. We should be embracing the reality and realize those things were only pictures. So, um, I mean, it's not an exact parallel to the instruction thing, but it's, it's at least hopefully close enough so you can see it's like um, the, the principles of how you deal with a text um, are basically the same, whether you're talking about the Bible or whether you're talking about some other text. You're still, you still should be approaching it the same way. 
Um, still, still applying the same the same rules of interpretation. So, um, but yeah, there there is sometimes a danger in people approaching the Bible um, as if um, everything in the Bible is. And again, in a sense, this is the sort this is sort of ignoring the context, ignoring the the flow of thought, progressive revelation, and just assuming that like every command in the Bible is just a blanket command for all time. Um, and that's not the that's not the proper way to interpret the Bible. Just like if you look at a set of instructions, not every command, not every directive in a set of instructions necessarily applies at every point of a process. So, so yeah. But that's an excellent question and uh, a nice way to to illustrate kind of the the point we're talking about. Any other thoughts or questions about that before we before we flip to the other side and look at how it is different that we interpret the Bible? Okay. So yes, we should interpret the Bible very differently than how we interpret other things. Um, the Bible has certain characteristics that make it necessary uh, to alter our approach to interpretation. So I want to highlight three principles uh, that set biblical interpretation apart. Um, so the first one is the, just the simple fact of inerrancy. I imagine most of you are familiar with the term inerrancy. Um, Basically, we talk about the Bible is free from error. Um, so since the author of the Bible knows everything without error, and he doesn't lie, and he's not limited in his power, he's able to provide us with a book that is completely true and trustworthy. Um, if I read an article written by a fallible human being, and I come across something that appears to be contrary to a fact that I know... I may legitimately, legitimately come to the conclusion that the author is in error and wrote something untrue. If I come, to, if I come across something um, in the Bible that appears to be contrary to a fact that I know, um, I assume either that I'm interpreting it wrong or that I'm mistaken in my facts. I mean, that's, that's a fundamental difference in the way I approach it. Um, and I'm going to apply myself to make sure that um, I'm uh, sorry. I, I apply myself to finding out where the where my error lies. That's I'm going to work at it. I'm going to say, well, that, I read something in the Bible. It just doesn't seem to to be what I think is true. Um, it's contrary to something else in the Bible. It's contrary to something I just know from my larger experience of the world. Um, it's, there must be something wrong. Either I have a wrong idea, or maybe I'm just reading this text wrong, and it doesn't say what I think it says. Um, now, even in the case of uh, a human-written article, um, I should be diligent to make sure that I'm not the one that's at fault. Uh, but in the case of the Bible, the consequences of saying that the author made an error is far greater. Uh, and the likelihood that I'm one, the one making the mistake is also far greater. Um, it's, I mean... I'm just much more likely to make a mistake than to have to come to the conclusion that the Bible has an error in it. Um, that's that's something that I mean it's a it's a fundamental part of the of what we understand to be true of the Bible. Um, if we if we abandon that, we, we might as well just you know close up shop and, and go home because Christianity isn't true. Um, so we come across something in the Bible that looks like an error. We're like, okay, we need to look at this. Um, and oftentimes you will find 
you're just misreading the Bible. I mean, I have come across that multiple times where people will see something in the Bible and say, oh, well, that, that looks like an error. And, you know, and they'll explain to me what it is that they think is an error. And I'm like, oh, well, you just don't, you're, you're not understanding what's being said there. Um, and, you know, interpreting the Bible can be difficult, uh, more difficult than reading something written in the 21st century, um, partially because it wasn't written in the 21st century. Uh, people wrote differently. They thought differently. They had different cultural experiences. That there was all sorts of things that were different, um, and so um, and that's something we're going to have to discuss as we talk about how to interpret the Bible. You've got to try to to break that barrier. Um, but if you read the Bible as if it's a 21st century document, you're going to read things and you're going to you're just going to misunderstand them because that's not the way it was written. Um, and so most of the time, if we encounter something that looks like an error, that's, that's usually what it is. Um, sometimes it's just we have wrong ideas, um, and we need to be corrected by the Bible. Um, we're not really going to do like an in-depth study on inerrancy. I mean, that's a, that's a worthwhile study, um, but we're, we're not going to make that a part of, of this, um, this Sunday school course. Um, but... I would recommend anybody who wants to, to, to delve into that more, um, just go look up the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. It's freely available online. Um, it's relatively short. Um, shouldn't take you that long to read it. And it's a really nice thing where it just sets up. Uh, it's in the form of sort of like a, a confession of faith where it's, a, it's got affirmations and denials. It says, we affirm this, we deny this. We affirm this, we deny this. And it just kind of goes through several points on inerrancy. And then there's a section that follows, written, I think, by R.C. Sproul, um, that then kind of goes in and does a little bit of a commentary and explanation of what those things mean. And that's just like a great introductory level overview of, of the doctrine of inerrancy. So um, if you want to delve into that, I would highly recommend that. It's called what? The Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. I don't remember exactly when that was. 70s, 80s, something like that. Um, a bunch of people got together and, you know, came up with this just because inerrancy was under attack, and so they wanted to make a clear statement about what inerrancy is and what inerrancy isn't, and, um, you know, and be something that a, a number of Christian leaders can sign and say, yes, I support the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, um, and it's, a, it's just a, it's a great summary document, so. So the second point, the second principle that makes our approach to interpreting the Bible a little different than other texts is authority. Um, so it follows closely on the, the first principle we looked at there. Um, now, when I read a nonfiction book or article or whatever, if I read something that's nonfiction written by a human, um, I frequently find myself asking the question, how do you know? How, do, how does the author know this? Um, and they don't tell me, you know? Um, too often, people will fill their writings with assertions without bothering to provide support for what they say. 
Um, and this leads me to be skeptical of their claims. Um, I mean, oftentimes people do. They provide support, they provide citations, and I can actually go and check out what they're saying. But frequently they don't. Frequently they just they just say that they just say something, and it's like, well, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. And you haven't given me any way to try to come to a conclusion. I either just have to believe you or try to find where I can find the answer. Um, but uh, this doesn't apply to the truths taught in the Bible. Um, I mean, we just don't approach the Bible that way. There, there are assertions in the Bible that are not supported. They're not... That, you know, there's no there's no citation made. It's like, oh, we know this because of this. There's there's no reasoning provided. Now, I mean, there are things in the Bible where there is a citation provided. It's like, oh, well, here, look and look at this this other passage of scripture that tells us this, or uh, that gives reasoning. I mean, especially you read the the letters of Paul um, or the book of Hebrews that we're uh, talking about on Sunday mornings. Um, there is a great deal of argumentation where it's like. A point is made, and then argumentation is presented to try to prove it. But there are often many things in Scripture where that's not the case, where there's no attempt to provide any support for what's said. Um, just one example. Um, Jesus tells us that there is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents and turns to God. No argumentation is provided to prove that. No citation is made of some other authority. Should I be skeptical? No. Because God's the ultimate authority, right? If God makes a claim, it's like, he's the ultimate authority. I should believe that. Um, that and that makes it, again, very different from the way we approach some other text. Some other text, somebody makes a claim, maybe they're right, maybe they're not. We need to, we need to investigate that. Um, if God makes a claim, because of the nature of what Scripture is, we accept it. Even if it's like, well, I have, I have you know, somebody says, well, prove to me that angels are rejoicing when sinners repent. It's like, well, I, I mean, can't do that other than just to point to it. Jesus said it. He's got the authority to tell us what's happening. Um, so um, that's, um, that's definitely another, another big difference to the way we approach it. And you can see these are these are not like fundamental principles of interpretation that we're talking about. These are kind of just things that go along with um, interpreting scripture. Um, and finally, we have the importance of interpreting the Bible correctly uh, is far greater than the importance of correctly interpreting any other writing. Uh, now, we are commanded to be lovers of truth. Uh, so we should... Uh, never consider it acceptable to misinterpret anything. Um, but if I misinterpret a poem in my leisure reading, the consequences are not likely to be very grave, right? Um, if I misinterpreted a text message from a friend, I may cause difficulties for our relationship. If I misinterpret a warning label on my medication, I may endanger my life. Uh, but if I misinterpret the Bible, the consequences may be eternal. Um, consider what Peter said, and we've uh, looked at this um, before. Maybe we looked at it both weeks. I'm not sure. Um, but Second uh, Peter, chapter three, verses fifteen through eighteen, 
Um, he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote uh, to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Um, so, again, we've looked at that before, but what we see there is that people are twisting the scripture. Now, um, hopefully our misinterpretation of the scripture is going to be more accidental um, and not this what appears to be just deliberate twisting of scripture. Um, but what is, what is the consequence? What does Peter say is the consequence for people twisting scripture? It's their own destruction, right? They twist it to their own destruction. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, pretty significant consequence. Uh, James chapter three, verse one. Uh, James says, "Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness." So those who are teaching, they're they're judged with greater strictness, and that. That's really what it's about is like, are you interpreting the Bible correctly? Are you, are you actually teaching the word of God or are you messing it up and throwing in your own stuff? Um, that's, um, that's the important thing there. And there's a, a stricter judgment for people who mess it up. Um, and I know we've talked about this in both of our previous lessons and it's, and we'll probably talk about it, um, multiple times throughout the course um second timothy 2 15 do your best to present yourself to uh, to god as one approved as a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth um so again we look at that and it's like it's very important that we interpret the bible correctly and if you don't you should be ashamed um if you don't you're not a worker who's proven god um so, while, again, it is important that we interpret everything correctly, it's just, just because we, we should be lovers of truth, we shouldn't, we shouldn't consider it acceptable to misinterpret things. But when it comes to interpreting the Bible, really the, the, the importance of interpreting it correctly just goes up by an order of magnitude. Um, and so, um, in summary, uh, for the most part, we should interpret the Bible exactly the same way that we interpret every other writing. But we must recognize the infallibility, authority, and importance of the scripture as we apply the principles of interpretation. Um, I will also echo what Mark said earlier, is like we ought to be praying as we approach scripture that, that the Holy Spirit will grant us understanding. Um, that's very important as we study the scripture. Um, I'd suggest that it's not a bad idea even if you're interpreting something else because our, our biases, our, um, our laziness, whatever. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, of, of our sin that gets in the way of us interpreting non-biblical text too. So that may not necessarily be a difference, but it's, it falls into the importance category of it's really important that we get this right. And plus our sin... Um, is really bent towards misinterpreting the Bible. Um, and so 
it's the most important that we do it in that case. So, so yeah. Um, again, you should interpret the Bible just like you interpret every other text. But there are certain things you need to keep in mind that are a little different. Now, just in the last couple of minutes we have, um, I want to talk just a little bit about um, about what what meaning we're after. Um, for I, I mean, I guess the the question is: um, Have you ever heard the phrase "That's just your interpretation"? You ever like told somebody, "It's like, well, look, here, this is what the Bible says," and they're like, "Well, that's just your interpretation." What what are they what are they doing there? What's why, what do people mean when they say that? They're relativizing the text of Scripture. Can you break that down, what that means, that they're relativizing it? <clears throat> um, essentially, it's kind of a... Sorry, it's a... It's a... Okay, this isn't coming. Um... Essentially, it's kind of a it's a it's a turn on the uh, what's true for you isn't true for me, but you know, my truth is my truth and that's different for yours. So they're both true, that whole thing. Right. But it's essentially um, well, since it's the, since the Bible, it's an appeal to well, since the Bible is hard to understand in certain places, um, this one might be hard to understand too if you don't believe X or if you don't you know, if you don't have certain beliefs or that kind of thing. Okay. I. I caught a lot of that, so <laughs> um, my, my hearing, again, is not the greatest, and you're way back there. So, But, but I mean, I, I think, in essence, what, what I caught there um, is that's correct. It's, it's basically this idea that it's like, well, to you it means that. That's fine. To me, it means something else. Um, and so it's relative. It's, it's relative to the person reading. Um, so... Person A has meaning A. Person B has meaning B. It, it, it takes away from the idea of absolute truth mm-hmm. and not, not just the idea, but the, the necessity that, one, there's absolute truth, two, that the Bible is absolute truth mm-hmm. and can only be interpreted one way. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's, I mean, at the heart of what we're talking about here is that the any particular Bible passage only has one meaning. Um, that's uh, something that sometimes people are like a little shaken by. It's like, well, there's only one meaning to a particular passage. Um, it's important to point out that you can have multiple applications. Um, and so there's multitudes of ways that you can apply certain passages um, to you know your everyday life, to your understanding, uh, those things, but the Bible has, in any given passage, a single meaning, and the idea there is that it is the meaning of the author. Um, and this really isn't any different when we talk about um, some non-biblical text. Um, if you know, if I again, if I get an email from my boss that says something, I don't have the liberty to just say, oh, "Well." You know, I don't really care what my boss meant when he said it. I, I, you know, to me, it means this. You know, it, it just you 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 don't communicate that way. That's not the way that people work. Um, that's that's not the way communication works. 
So when we're considering what is the meaning of the Bible and we're trying to get at that and we're applying these principles to figure out what is the meaning, the question is what what is God's meaning? What is the what is the author's intent? What does he mean by what he says? Um, so just like when you read your boss's email, you should be concerned with what did your boss mean when he wrote that? Um, if you read Shakespeare, you should be concerned with what did Shakespeare mean when he wrote that? Um, whatever it is, um, it's the meaning of the author that is actually what you're trying to get at. If you're looking for something else, you're not doing interpretation. Um, and finally, just just briefly, um, another couple of big words that, um, again, pop up um, in this discussion, uh, but you may not necessarily know, um, is the terms exegesis and eisegesis. Um, exegesis is uh, a word that's used to, to talk about uh, explaining, interpreting. Uh, literally, it, it means to lead out. So the idea is that you are looking at a text and you're pulling out of the text what the meaning is. Now, eisegesis, it just changes the, the, the prefix of the word from ex which is out of, to ice, which is into. And it's the idea of reading into a text. Um, and that's often a problem with uh, people misinterpreting the Bible, is that they will um, look at a text and they will, instead of getting the meaning out of it, they will import their own meaning into the text. And they'll just find a way to try to make the text fit with what they want it to say. Um, that's something that we should definitely, at all costs, try to avoid. Uh, we don't want to be reading meanings into the text. We want to be drawing meanings out of the text. Because the goal is to, um, to pull out the author's meaning. We want to know what God means by what he says. And so that's why we have to be so diligent in applying these principles and working through it uh, to try to come to the proper interpretation. Um, because that's what we want. We want to know what God is saying to us. So that's a that's just a bit of a overview of kind of as we transition into delving into the the nitty gritty of interpreting the Bible. Um, it's just important that we understand how we approach it, and that like what we're after is the meaning uh, that the author has put in there. Any final questions or comments? Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have uh, revealed your mind to us, that you have given us your word. And uh, God, I just pray that we would be diligent, uh, that we would uh, strive to understand what you have said to us, that we would rely on the, the power of the Holy Spirit to, um, to put away our biases, to put away our, our sins, and cause us to um, understand it rightly. Uh, God, to cause us to embrace your word, uh, to not um, be concerned with uh, the fact that sometimes your word is uncomfortable, uh, but to just love it because it comes from you and it reveals your mind to us. Um, and God, that is that is just our prayer, that that you would do that for us, that you would do that for your church, that you would do that for the world at large, that 
uh, your word would be understand, under, understood and treasured and that your name would be glorified. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.